Marquette puts her down. He's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Leopold just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen. My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Wazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Liebold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. All right, guys, what's going on? Welcome. Hockey to hell and back, episode number 50. Holy, count them, 50. That's not even including the 67 I did before this one. Thank you so much. If you're watching live on Facebook or YouTube, I surely, surely greatly appreciate it. I've been having just an amazing uh, couple of last weeks on the rollerblades. Man, tell you what, it's been so much fun. I feel like a little kid again. And before we go any further into this episode, I have to give a very, very special thank you. To David and Elise from the Rink of Dreams. Check that out. That's where I was yesterday. Shout out to Sam. What a time yesterday. We had so much fun. Me and Lando snipe 17 in the Ryan Donaldson's jerseys out there at the Rink of Dreams. Pretty cool. There's uh, me, Landon, and Elise. 
uh, saying goodbye yesterday. So thank you so much to uh, everyone down there at the Rink of Dreams. It was, it was a dream come true. I've seen these videos that have taken social media by storm. The place is amazing. Pictures and videos don't even do it justice. I was on the rink longer than anybody. I, I swear to God, I was like a little kid. They, they would have had to drag me out of there if I wasn't so polite. I wanted to move into their pool house. I was like, I'll just stay here. I'll maintain your house. Don't worry about it. I don't even need to go in there, actually. Just let me live in this bathroom, and I'll just play on your rink all day. Uh, but, no, I'm looking forward to getting back down there. So thank you to David and Elise and Sam for making that happen. So, so, so grateful. Um, we're going to probably head back down there again to uh, probably in a couple weeks, two, three weeks, maybe a month, and hopefully we can bring some other puck support warriors with us as well. Um, this episode really... Number one sponsor, of course, you guys know is Puck Support. I want to show you guys a picture. Dean Smeal and family out there in Alberta. Thank you, Dean, for all your support. You didn't even know I was going to show this picture. You just sent it to me like five minutes ago. So thank you so much. That's Christina, Taylor, and Shauna. Thank you guys for supporting Puck Support, showing off the names of all those we have lost. And that'll bring me in to my next part here. We always do an in memory of one of those that we've lost here in the hockey community and tonight is no different. Tonight's podcast is in memory of John Cordick. John Cordick played for the Washington Capitals, the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs, played as junior in the Western Hockey League just like myself and my guest and uh, we lost John back in 1992 to uh, an overdose. And, you know, he's one of the first ones in the hockey community that really lost his battle um, that I can find uh, through those avenues. And so tonight, you know, I'm just thinking of John and all his family out there, all his former teammates. We're doing everything here at Puck Support to make sure that John and all those that we've lost are never, ever, ever forgotten. This guy was tough as nails. And I know a couple guys that played with him and just said he was an unbelievable guy. And obviously had his demons like so many of us do. But tonight's episode is in honor of the memory of John Cordick. Before we get into the episode, I'm going to do one sponsor, guys. Take it away, my favorite, Regan Bartell. Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets. Brady Leobold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Teamissued.ca. Promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. Thank you to Jesse Paradise out there in Manitoba for sponsoring the show from day one, long before it was Hockey to Hell and Back. I got to bring this picture up. I want to just make sure I got this right for my my man's my man uh, Dino out there in Alberta. That's Christina Taylor, Shauna, and Shauna's daughter. That's uh, Shauna's boyfriend, or sorry, Taylor's boyfriend, Christian. Let's try that for the fifth time. I want to make sure that I got that right. So, Dino, thank you once again. Little uh, inside joke. That's top bunk. Maybe I'll, t- I'll share the story with you guys about the top bunk. And uh, Dean and I had such a good laugh. I was having such a hard day, man. Stick around. I'll tell you guys all about that at the end of the show. But we're going to get into the episode. 
You guys know how this goes. We'll see you in a few minutes. Well, here we go. This podcast has been a while in the making. And there's several reasons for that. But before we cover those, let me tell you a little bit about my friend, Wacy Rabbit. Wacy Rabbit was born November 16th, 1986 in Lethbridge, Alberta. As a member of the Kainai Nation, commonly referred to as the Blood Tribe, Rabbit was a star for the Airdrie Extreme U15 AAA program, which led him to be drafted in the third round, 41st overall by the Saskatoon Blades in the Western Hockey League Bantam Draft. The following season after being drafted, he moved on to the Calgary North Stars U18 AAA program where he found tremendous success and he even appeared in three games as a 15-year-old recording one assist with the Saskatoon Blades in 2001-2002. The following season in 0203 would be his first season in the WHL where he recorded 45 points as a rookie and it was the very next year that I would come across paths with Wacy Rabbit for the very first time when I suited up for the Swift Current Broncos in that game that I talked about on the Ian White podcast where he scored in his own net and celebrated off the ice. After putting up 67 points during the 2004-2005 season, Rabbit was selected in the fifth round, 154th overall by the historic Boston Bruins in the National Hockey League entry draft. Prior to being selected by the Boston Bruins, Rabbit appeared in the CHL Top Prospects game as well. The next season, Rabbit would be suited up with the C on his chest for the Saskatoon Blades. And most importantly, during that season, he won the Doug Wickenheiser Humanitarian of the Year Award for his work inside the community of Saskatoon. It's awards like this that really stand out to me. We all love to have success on the ice, but really who we are off the ice that's where our character is really proven. Wacy would turn pro for 22 games the following season, suiting up for the Providence Bruins, but was returned to the Saskatoon Blades and traded to the Vancouver Giants, where he helped them capture a CHL Memorial Cup title. Wacy would spend the next three seasons in the American Hockey League with the Providence Bruins and the Milwaukee Admirals before taking his talents overseas but after one season would once again return to North America, suiting up for the San Antonio Rampage and the Cincinnati Cyclones. The next three seasons would be spent in Norway before moving on to the Nippon Paper Cranes of the Asia League, and then to Italy, back to the East Coast, just for a short time, also suiting up over in the Czech Republic as well. But the following season, during 2018-19, he would be suited up for the ECHL's Jacksonville Iceman, but the following season, he would take his hockey skills to Romania, but once again return to Jacksonville, and that's where he is today. This season was Rabbit's 15th year of professional hockey. That's not counting his days in the WHL. Hockey has truly taken him all over the world, and what a beautiful gift. But like so many of us, there's a dark side to that, and I'm really hoping that Wacy will open up a little bit about that today. I won't touch too much on it. All I will say, because you guys have heard me say it before, is that he recently celebrated one year sober. And to me, that's the most impressive of all his accolades. Wace and I have discussed this a lot over the last few months, and I'm just so proud of him. And the fact that he's been able to play professional hockey this whole time is no small feat. Wacy Rabbit is also one of our puck support warriors, which truly means the world to me. 
to know that he's supporting puck support as well. Aside from his playing, Wasey is also a coach running WR20 power skills in the summer. And this is what's really caught my attention. Recently, Rabbit has also been named the hockey ambassador for the Indigenous Sports Council of Alberta for his unbelievable work off the ice and growing the game in the Indigenous community. It's guys like Wasey that will have a lasting impact on hockey and beyond. The work he's doing is really selfless. This is what really makes a man in my books. Well, that's enough blabbling for me. This is one I'm really excited for. It's been at least six months in the making. Here's a guy that I'm just so proud of to call a friend, a fellow puck support warrior, all the way from Jacksonville. Let's bring him in. My buddy, Wacy Rabbit. Sometimes I feel like Jesse James, still trying to make a name. What's going on, buddy? Brady, how are you, boss? It's uh, thanks for playing my favorite song. Um, I'm still a troubadour at heart, even though I'm playing with all these young guys. I feel like I'm a hundred sometimes in the dressing room. <laughs> oh man, well you're doing it, aren't you, man? Like you're still playing, and so many guys, including myself. I mean, my career winded down a long time ago, but um, there's not too many guys, um, especially like even older than me, or you're older than me, that are still playing. So I mean, that's just a testament to your skill and, and your character, and um, just what a successful career you've had, man. So congratulations on all of that, and uh, it's really nice to see that you're still playing, man. I appreciate that, and honestly, I've been knock on wood, I've been pretty fortunate not to have any really serious injuries that, you know, father time and injuries are the most undefeated in, 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 uh, in the hockey world. Right. So I've been, I've been very grateful that I've, I've had a not too uh, serious, I guess, injuries. I've, I've been the bumps and bruises, but I'm excited that I'm still going. And this year has been a, been a really up and down one, obviously with COVID it's a different year, but also uh, like you mentioned in the, in my intro, uh, one of my most proud accomplishments is my one year sobriety. Yeah, man. Let me let me get to that right now. <laughs> Damn rights it is, and uh, you know that's it's amazing, man. And like, so I was like kind of following your your journey behind the scenes because you were giving me updates. I think you told me initially you were like six or seven months sober, and we were kind of planning this, you know, for after that one year date, which was April twentieth, right, Wes? Twenty first. Twenty first. Sorry. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I mean, it's been a long time in, in the making and man, I'm proud of you, man. Cause it's not easy. It's not easy. And, uh, we can get right into that if you want. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there, there, that's kind of one of the reasons why I came on, right. We can talk hockey and all that, but for me right now, it, it's, it's been, it was a, it's good to get it off my chest. Cause the more you get it out, the less power it has over you, you know? So yeah, that's one of the things I've learned and, and, <laughs> is this in this in this journey is that i need to to open up more and that's one of yeah. the biggest things and for you i mean you're a couple months before me so you're one of the the lead warriors i remember having that conversation when you did follow me on instagram and i mentioned that i was uh i was obviously uh working my program and obviously i'm um, trying to live a sober life and you're so excited and <laughs> in the big book that always talks about charging the road of happy destiny you 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 find each other, you know, and it's just kind of weird how we ran into each other. I mean, we haven't talked in a while, probably since our playing days, but yeah, I'm just so grateful that you asked me on and I wasn't ready to, to share my story until I got a little more comfortable in my own skin. And now that I'm at a year, I think it's important that I tell my story. And I mean, I'm just thankful that you have this platform and invited me onto it. 
man, it's uh, it's a great pleasure to have you on and to just to hear you say all those things about, you know, being, you know, waiting for the time to be comfortable in your skin. But I think mo the most important thing that I heard there was the the beginning when you're like, you know, getting it out there and, and just sharing it. It it gives that less power over you. And I think it's that's a, I think that's a big part of like why meetings can be so powerful when you can get up and share. You hear people share um because not only are you making yourself accountable to other people, but you're hearing that you're not alone. And I think that, you know, your message today will definitely help, you know, probably several people. But my goal waste at the beginning of starting this was just to help one person. And it's that's sort of just the goal every single day. Um, how like tell me a little bit about where the where it started for you and and if you don't mind going into some details, um, you know, I'm on more on the drug side. I believe you're more on the alcohol side. Um, but when did you really start to, you know, pick up that first drink and it kind of really start to impact your life? Honestly, Brady, it was probably the same as every one of us that played hockey it was at our rookie party. You know, my, my parents, I've never seen them take a, take a drink, drink of alcohol throughout my youth. And, um, I'm first Nations, so you know they they have that uh that was one of the biggest things my parents always said that in our in our blood it has a uh, that alcohol and addictions is 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 in our blood and they warned me about it and you know when you're 16 you you just want to be accepted as part of the group you know and that was one of the hardest things for me was to be accepted because I moved off the reserve to to play hockey you know my my parents sacrificed so much just so that I had an opportunity to play and um, being the only Indigenous kid in a lot of my I'm going to say 98% of my, my hockey teams throughout the entire, my entire career, I was the only indigenous kid. And going into school, when I moved to Airdrie, I was the only probably person of color that wasn't white, you know? So um, for me, it, I always wanted to be accepted and I'm always an outgoing person. I love, love interacting with other people, but you know, the, in, in back then, it you know, you, the, the stereotypes of the First Nations person that, you know, they're they're drunks or they're alcoholics. And um, I, I never wanted to play in that stereotype. And I never thought that I was until I until I came out that I did have a problem. But I mean, addictions and it masks, it doesn't matter who you are. You could be a millionaire. I mean, you can't hide from addictions. You can't hide from your problems. And I mean, for me, that's why I just had to open up. And that, that first rookie party, I mean, no one was forcing me to drink. They're like, we had an awesome team, but I just wanted to be accepted. And once I had that first drink, I realized, you know, I'm more social. I feel more comfortable in my skin. And um, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only person that said this, but, you know, one turns to two. And then eventually it, it just becomes part of the norm because hockey is such a, such a beer culture, you know, beers with the boys, beers after, after a big win, after a big loss. And then from there, like, I mean, I, I never really did. I only partied with the boys when, when – it was, we got the green light, but then it really took off when I turned 18, when it became legal and I could just go to the beer store on my, on my own. And then 19 was when it really took off in Saskatoon because I was legal age in, in Saskatchewan. So some of us, the boys would break curfew and, you know, we'd be doing dumb stuff. And at the time, you know, you, my excuse was, you know what, I'm young, you know, I'm just doing what everyone else is doing. And that's not what everybody else was doing. You know, we'd, I'd be going to the rink, you know, trying to, trying to hide that, you know, some of us weren't hung over, but you're not hiding anything. The people that know and they can smell you and all that. But it was, it started there. And then it really picked up when I didn't have a billet. No one was looking over my shoulder and I got to Providence and I signed my NHL deal. Then all of a sudden I'm 19 with all this money in my, in my bank account. You know, at that time I thought like nobody can tell me anything. My, what, what I always think back and 
when I when I was really struggling, I always thought about like ten year old ways. You know, he'd just be disgusted with what I was doing and what what I am now. And a ten year old ten year old Brady, ten year old ways, he just want to play. You know, they just want to yeah. have fun. And this distraction that everybody warned me about, you know, it it it, it got me because I just didn't know how to say no and it's you just lie to yourself the whole time that you know you're just being a part of the group and then at that 34 last year I was 33 and I just you know I the hardest part for me was was asking for help and they you you'd hear in 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 our program is that it's they call it a god shot you know yeah and I was I was every time I'd wake up you know I'd be I'd feel awful and I just always talk to myself and in my own head and like that I, 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 for some reason, just sent me a sign. And it was at the end of the quarantine when I was, uh, my 14 days when I got back from Jacksonville and my mom, you can't hide from mother's mother's intuition. You know, she asked me if it was okay. And I think she knew something was up and I just, I, I opened up to her and that I had that, you know, I'm having issues. And, and then from there, like it, they, they could only do so much. And I tried to open up to, to a couple other people. And it's funny now that like, I don't want to keep talking, but. Well, please do. By the, all means. Person, the person that that I did reach out to is a former teammate who's actually playing right now in Winnipeg is uh, Nate Thompson. You okay. know, I'm, I'm sitting, I'm, I'm white knuckling it a month sober. You know, I'm just trying to, you know, I'll just like, I didn't know anything, you know, I was just, I was, I was basically going in this with no, you know, I think I could do it myself, but I knew I couldn't. And I was listening to a podcast with uh, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick, the 31 thoughts, yeah. you know, just trying to pass time. And then Nate, Nate was on there talking about addictions and mm-hmm. Nate was my former, former captain in Providence. And I follow him on Twitter and he follows me back. So I just messaged him and said, Hey man, like um, I'm having some, you know, I'm going through the same thing you are. I'm 30 days sober. And honestly, within seconds, he gave me his number and we were on a phone call and I was on a meeting that night. Wow. And from there, that was, that was, that was a, a month into my sobriety. And right now they come in, I can't say, enough good things about Nate because he's been so instrumental in, in just keeping me on the straight and narrow, but he's, he showed me that, you know what, <laughs> you can have fun being sober, you know, like I got, I got sober over, you know, I go to the AA meetings over zoom and I've never been to an in-person meeting. So I'm excited when things get back to normal that I can go to an in-person meeting, but just the camaraderie that I have there and the, the, the group that I, that I surround myself with. It's yeah, man, the group. So it's interesting because I think, like when I first went in there into the rooms of AA and NA, because I'm more on the drug side, don't get me wrong. When I was, when I drank, man, I would drink to excess more than anybody. That was my, you know, I was trying to wake people up so they could keep drinking with me. That's how bad it was. So I, I hear you on that, but some, some people have an issue with, you know, when they talk about God or higher power, some, I never really did, but there was a guy that I first went to rehab with. He had like Yet he couldn't grasp it, right? And they're like, the, the one counselor was like, put it this way. Like, if you want to look at God as not a, you know, a super being power from above, look at it as the group and break it down to an acronym of G-O-D, group of drunks. The group is more powerful than you. That can be your God. And that, like you said, that camaraderie, um, it's it's a beautiful thing. And I mean, for some people, it I think it takes time to feel comfortable opening up. How has it, how has it been for you, like in the rooms? Like, have you done a lot of sharing and that kind of stuff? Like, what what's it been like? Man, well, my first meeting, I was lost. I was deer in the headlights. Like, I didn't know what to say or know, you know, just to identify, you know, just to say that wasty alcoholic was the hardest thing I've ever did. And once it was out there, like I said, it had less power over you. And yeah. now, like, we have, I have a couple of meetings that I go to and they're they're religious that I that I go to religiously. Um, 
that, you know, I like you talk about that higher power, I'm First Nations and like for us yeah. in our ceremonies, we we don't we call God creator, you know. So that's that's the most important thing for me is that I've always been a part of that and like we have our ceremonies that I practice in and now I've gotten even closer to that because you know, though that's part of my healing and that's part of my journey is that I need to stay close to to my to who I am and where I come from because that's gonna be the most important part of my 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 sobriety journey. It's interesting that you mentioned that too, because I hadn't thought about this prior to the podcast. But um, when I actually played in Swift Current, like I don't know what you, I did correspondence courses for high school, like from BC, and so one of those courses was First Nations. I took it, and I just fell in love with the culture like instantaneously. But you know, moving forward into you know uh, adulthood and pro hockey for a short time, obviously I was disconnected from it. But when I went to jail, man. I started to uh, smudge like every single day we were allowed to smudge. Uh, we were allowed to do uh, different ceremonies, drum ceremonies. Um, and it was a huge part, uh, especially this last time of me actually feeling connected um, to just people and the world. And um, so I think that, and I had this, this one elder, man, she watched, like I broke down in this one group, like talking about my kids. I was in jail, man. Like it's a tough place. And there I am crying my eyes out in front of other criminals. It's not really like, luckily they were pretty good about it, but I was just having emotional, but I'll just never forget. There was this, this elder that came over and she came over, she took me to the sink and she just washed me like with water. And she was explaining to me how water is healing and this, and I'll tell you, man, it was like one of the most powerful moments of my entire life. I will never, ever forget it. It was it was so amazing. So um, I'm glad to hear that you're sort of connecting back to that culture. But also you're doing a lot inside the indigenous community um, for hockey. And I think, you know, a lot of it to do is with hockey. But, man, I, I see I, I saw you on Global News, um, the story they did. And uh, I see I have a picture of you signing autographs for the kids there. It's stuff like that that I think will really make a difference. There you are, um, you know, being a good example, showing uh, these kids that they can make it too. And even if they don't, you're showing them that it's community and that, you know, sport is just a can be such a lifesaver, man, because without hockey, I'd be dead a long time ago. Um, how big of a part has that been to your life? Uh, it's important for me, you know, like I said, I, I didn't have a lot of role models. You know, the role models that I had were my parents um, and then the NHL enforcers that were that looked like me, you know. So there wasn't then Jonathan Cheech who came across, then Tutu, obviously. But I just want to make sure that these kids identify with me. You know, I may not have made the NHL, but I, I used the sport as a, as a vehicle. You know, I got, to, got the opportunity to live in so many different countries. Um, I chased my dream. Your dream might not end up where you actually want to be but it's where you're meant to be you know so maybe and i was listening to rod peterson's uh your the video last where he said that he signed with the calgary flames and they or then they took it away you know maybe i wasn't meant to play in the nhl you know with all that money i might have been dead with, uh, with the way i was partying and the way my life was going at the time so i'm very grateful for that but i want to make sure that um are my, my youth with the, especially the indigenous kids that they know that there is a, a place for them in this world that it doesn't have to be in sports whatever whatever their dream is and whatever they want to do it's important that they chase it and they they have they have the confidence to know that if they do chase they work hard that their their dreams are possible and you know for my camps that i had um in the summertime it was just for me to kind of give back to my community because now 
you know, part of my program. And, and I've always wanted, even since before, since I was 10, I just always wanted to help people, you know, being of service now. And especially during COVID, I just wanted these kids to go out there for 60 minutes and just forget about everything, you know, just be the kids on the ice and just have fun. And then the rest of the, like when you leave the, the, during the COVID era right now, that it was such a hard time for kids with their mental health and, yeah. you know, and it, it's hard to, it's hard for kids to kind of express what they're feeling, you know, they, they do it in different ways. But I know for me, when I got on the ice for those 60 minutes, nothing else mattered. I just got to be me. I got to do what I loved and be around my friends, you know? So that was the most important with my camps and um, with ISCA, they, they were very they're, They asked me and my, my, uh, my gal, Ashley, she's there with uh, Jake. He runs ISCA to, to be ambassadors. And I was very honored because anytime someone asks you to do something in my culture, you, you, you're not supposed to say no. And especially to, to be able to work with youth and to grow a healthy, positive lifestyle and living. That's, that's really important right now because in my community, you know, we have COVID-19 that's a pandemic, but the biggest pandemic is, is mental health, uh, addictions and suicide. You know, it's especially on, on my reserve, you know, it's taken a lot of my family members the the like some of the stuff that like fentanyl you know it, it is t- it is hitting home more than ever so it, i did for me to just to to work and hopefully being able to if someone sees to go work out you know it, it's a different way to, to to relieve your stress well and i think i think you're just kind of going to be like you're doing amazing work but i really think that you know even after your playing career this is I think you're just scratching the surface with it. I think, you know, moving forward and the longer that you keep doing this, you know, you can set that example for kids. Not only that, but what you can do is you can also be an outlet for them. You can be a, a source of guidance, somebody to lean on if they are struggling, not only just a role model saying, oh, look, Wasey accomplished, lived out his dream. Yes, maybe not the NHL, but pro hockey was, you know, the dream and, and you're still playing. But not only that, just to, you know, make those relationships with the, the younger generation, whether it be boys or girls. Um, and who knows that maybe some of these young kids may be down the road suffering with mental health, addiction or both. And, and you can be a source of support for them. And I think that is what you'll probably see as time progresses. You'll have more um, kids really looking up to you for the way that you're living your life now. And just the fact that you play pro hockey will, will only make that tenfold because as we know in, in Canada, people love hockey. They look up to hockey players. Uh, but I just, I commend you for what you're doing and I encourage you to just keep doing that. And I, I really feel that there's going to be so many doors that open for you, Wacy, long after you're done playing um, directly and indirectly related to hockey. So I just encourage you to keep that up, man. Brady, I appreciate that. I mean, it's the last year. It, w- it was hard, man. Like, for me, the hardest part was asking for help. I probably wanted to ask for help for 10 years. I just didn't know how. Yeah. And I was at the end of my rope where it took my mom to, to really fight. And if she didn't say anything, you know, who knows where I'd be today, honestly. And I'm very grateful for my mom. And we've been close. I mean, she's anytime I have issues, she's the one to talk to. And she's uh, we were at each other's necks a lot, but that's just, <laughs> that's just how we are. But I love her so much. And, you know, that, that God shot, I mean, I was meant to, I was meant to, you know, come home and be in her house in her basement and for her to, to really realize and see in person. Cause she told me, she, she said she's known for about a year and then it, for whatever reason she, she was doing, she was vacuuming, she's saying, and then she just looked over me and asked me if I was okay. And I didn't say anything. Like she asked me legit, like, are you, are you, are you doing drugs? Are you, are you drinking a lot? And I mean, for like, 
part of my story, man. Like the, the, the booze was enough. I started doing cocaine when I was 28 and then that was, took me up until I was 33 and it was the one time. And then the two and the next thing, you know, anytime I wanted to drink, I was, I was calling someone, you know, and yeah. it didn't help that, you know, it's, it, they it's surprising how many people do cocaine, you know, I know it's like, it's pretty crazy. And you think that the first time I did it, uh, I was scared to death. And then the second time is easier. And then it's just easier and easier and easier. And that's almost like you look at the, you look at the, the, the lyrics of songs now, just drug use is just so like out there and it's cool. And it, it's, it's not, man. It, once that hooks your, it, it hooks your, uh, it hooks his claws in you. It's, it's a dangerous road to go. And thankfully then I'm not, I'm not living that, that lifestyle anymore. And if anybody's listening to this, the hardest part for me was asking for help. And that was the hardest part. And I'm gl- I'm very thankful that I did. Well, and you know what? I think, First off, I'm very thankful that you did too. And and before I say anything else, I'm thankful that you're taking the time right now to actually do this because I know there's an important hockey game on. Um, you, you know, I, I didn't even realize that that was scheduled tonight. So I appreciate that. I won't keep you for the whole game. But yeah, you know, asking for help is the hardest part for a lot of people, right? That's the, that's the common uh, thing that I hear. I know it was for me. Um, especially I think as an elite athlete, it's like, man, I'm stronger than this. I'm, I'm better than this. I, and then it's like, you start, I start to think about, it's like, can't actually let anybody know what's going on with me. It'll be my reputation. I'll never play hockey again. And for me, it got progressively worse. So, I mean, how was the reaction from family and friends and and different things when you actually said, Hey, I need help and decided that you were going to move in this direction? Well, my parents were obviously a little upset. Um, but they knew something was going on and they're just happy that I did come out. And my, like my family has been a hundred percent supportive. My, my girlfriend, Ashley has been a hundred percent supportive and not a lot of people know. So whoever's watching this, this is probably their first time hearing of it. And obviously the one year sober market could mean anything, you know, it could be just, I'm trying to live a healthy lifestyle. I didn't really like open up to when I posted on, on Instagram, but now they come break. Like I said, I'm, I'm an open book, man. Like it, it's scary out there. And, you talk about you didn't your your reputation, man. Like we were good at. I was unbelievable at hiding stuff. Like I was like you wouldn't like some people would never know, but the people that are close to you know, and that's the, those are the people that mean the most and that are really concerned about. Like who knows? Like a couple of weeks ago, I had a friend that I played summer hockey with. He passed away, you know, cocaine and was laced with fentanyl. So like it, it's 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 dangerous out there, and it is scary. And I'm just for me, like I just want to make sure that everybody has an avenue or they feel like they they have somewhere to go or someone to to talk to and hopefully they do and if not there there are avenues that you can get help well yeah well man your your story is is so powerful and i i want to just go back for a second and and say you know sorry for your loss for your friend it's you know recently i've lost a few friends too it seems like every time if i dig just a little bit deeper i'll find somebody that i know that has passed away from overdose or suicide and and really mostly on the overdose side right now and as you you remember mitch fadden uh, yeah. yeah same thing right he passed away same story uh bad coke laced with fentanyl and that's the thing and i i hope that anyone listening whether it be the younger generation because i know that i know that there's some younger kids that listen to my show and i've tried to dial back the swearing and stuff because i started to realize that i was really raw at first and i still like to be authentic but just trying to spread that message but it is really important that with the times now and with fentanyl out there you never really know what you're getting even if you think you know who it's coming from, if the something gets mixed or cross-contaminated and you don't have that tolerance, it can you can be a goner in no time. 
And uh, it's it's a blessing that you're you're sober. And I really appreciate Wacy you sharing that the fact that you haven't really been too open with it with the public. But that to me is what not only will help you, but will help so many other people as well. And and man, I just. I want to just keep encouraging you to share your story. And I know we've talked uh, a few times because I've actually had um, a few uh, native, well, uh, hockey teams, a lot of people, but in particular, a few native reserves reach out to me when COVID's over to come, you know, share my story and spend some time there and, and all that. And I would love for you to be a part of that. And whether I'm a part of what you're doing, I, I, that doesn't matter, but I would encourage you to do the same. I'm sure there's a lot of people that will, have already, but will start to reach out more and you can be a huge impact for them, man. Yeah. I mean, I started doing talks on reserves when I was 16. Wow. You know, my stories were, you know, I started off minimal and then obviously people wanted to kind of hear my story once I played in the NHL, but I just never felt comfortable speaking because I felt like I was just like hiding behind this mask, you know, like I was like, well, this isn't really authentic and this isn't really me. I don't, I don't feel like I deserve to speak to these people. And honestly, for me, working with the, working with the youth is an absolute privilege. Yeah. You know, it is a privilege. And, um, like my program just started with, uh, with my on ice development and I love working with kids. I just love seeing them, you know, they, they keep they trying something and then they get it. You know? Yeah. That's my, that, with that, that light that comes on. And I love that. And I just, because I, I, for me, I didn't have that, you know, I, I spent, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. Like I said, my parents sacrificed a lot just for me. So I just, I mean, I was on my rollerblades every day. That's yeah. how I got there. Like people ask, well, how did, how, how did you get to be such a good skater? It's like, well, cause I saw my rollerblades 24 seven. Like I, I didn't, that's all I want to do. I'd be out there playing by, by myself with, the, with just a stick, no ball, but just imagining that I was, you know, yeah. waiting or something or shooting into an empty net because my balls have been shot over the fence so many times. I'm scared to ask the neighbor for another, you know, <laughs> so I was just, but that 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 was like that was my story because like I was just I wasn't trying to get better I wasn't going out there it's just that I loved hockey so much that I was yeah. skating so now it, for the for these kids that do have obviously that for me to to work with them it's been great and you know I have uh, Spokane's first and second rounders coming to work with me this summer agents are sending me their players and I got a lot of Western League kids and some kids that are going to the Bantam draft so I'll, like um that's what I want to do at the end of my career when I'm done is going to coaching or player development and being behind the bench this year in Jacksonville has kind of opened up that, that new passion that I didn't know I had. And I'm just so excited for that. And especially with this year, like I go back, man, it was a tough year because like I said, I'm very personal. I love relationships with, with, with everybody. And it was hard because like my players, I'm the captain of the team and I'm never around at the team parties, you know, like I just, I just don't, I just had to say no because my sobriety was the most important. Yeah um to share a story about that you know i'm kind of going off topic here but all my 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 teammates have been so supportive i remember on my my uh my year but about a month ago we we're playing in south carolina i scored the overtime goal on my my one year mark and my team wow. came in after the the three stars and my teammates were all quiet and one of the guys on our team spoke up he says hey i know that you like what well, obviously everybody knows that you're you're going through some stuff and we're 100 percent respectful and like I got all emotional and choked up and it meant the world to me you know because I want to be there I want to I want to get to know these guys but for me like I just I just couldn't and they respect that and I just get to know them on a different level other than you know being uh <laughs> being the loudest and drunkest at the party now I'm the quietest and they don't get my old jokes anyways I don't think it'll be much fun at the parties anyways well that's a that's an incredible story man like you score the OT winner on that 
on that particular night. And isn't that just, we've seen that, you know, it, there's something to be said about that. Like you see, um, you know, Bobby Ryan come back and, and do very well uh, when he came back from his ride, but just on these special uh, moments, it's just that, just that little icing on the cake, that that little extra reward to show you that you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, and it's pretty incredible. Um, how do you like being the captain of a team? Is it uh, obviously it's different because yeah, your sobriety, um, but what is it really like around these young guys? Um, and I, I I love it because they they look up, they look, they come for me for some guidance, and I'm glad that I'm there and I'm sober that I can give them an honest answer, and they know that. I come every day and I work hard and I lead by example. So when I do speak, it, it has weight this time, you know, um, that that's been the biggest thing. But for me, like just, it's a, it, these young guys, it's, it's kind of hard to relate just because man, some of these guys don't even know quotes. They've never seen office space. Some of them will do like, <laughs> quotes from like dumb and dumber. And they'll look at me at like three heads. Like I'll just be like, you guys have never seen dumb and dumber. So like, I'll, like, even I'll, I'll go try and throw up a movie on the bus so these guys can relate to me. They're all on their iPads, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a different age. And, but I, I love these, like our group right now, we're, we're a couple points out of a playoff spot and we have seven games left. So like the, the group that we have, man, it, they're awesome kids. And I just hope every one of them get to get to live out their dreams at some point or some way, because they you know this is a, this group right now we had to go through a lot during COVID man. Like we all got COVID in January and it was tough and, like I was the oldest guy obviously got the sickest. So there, there we go right there being the old guy, but <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you mentioned that you were, uh, you were coaching too. So you're kind of like Reg Dunlop a little right. bit, you know, well, I mean? and half those, uh, half those guys have never seen slap shots. So they don't even get that reference, you know? Oh so, my God. <laughs> I can't even say I'm Reggie Dunlop. They don't think he's that, Reggie Dunlop. That's hilarious, man. That's so funny. Um, it's pretty incredible like that you're playing, you know, especially in the East Coast League, which is a predominantly um, young league, especially now, even more so than it was when I played in it. Um, well, let me ask you, though, like, what about over in Europe? I know you, you bounced around quite a bit. Tell me your experience um, about being in Europe and if that you think affected, you know, your alcoholism at all, bouncing around from team to team, not knowing every year, or um, was it just sort of? Yeah, you know, well. I, you know, when I, my, my first year after, uh, my, like after my last, I was in Milwaukee and I have a great year. And that was probably all, like due to injuries and obviously the off ice stuff. And I, I mean, a good year, a great time there. just, it wasn't for me. It was a lot of culture shock. And then I went back, you know, I just didn't have any, I didn't have any chances anymore. You know, I, I basically kind of ruined my, uh, my opportunity to make a lot of money in the American hockey league. And I didn't really want to go down to the East coast and, um, Europe was the next thing and I was blessed that I got to go to Norway and like Norway is a great place I, I played there for three years I had some good years there and um, partied hard though you know like the the Norwegians and the Europeans love to party so we got to do that in between hockey games and you know but it wasn't all it wasn't just like a dark cloud you know my parents got to travel my mom came to visit every place I went to so we got to go to Japan and like I said I used that for hockey, I use it as a vehicle. You know, if I, if I wasn't playing NHL, it's how many how many times do you get to actually experience a culture? Like, I remember when I went to Japan for the first time, and like the the whole like being in Japan is cool. Like, but you're where I was, I wasn't in Tokyo. There, we were the very northern tip of Hokkaido, which was, I mean, there's probably two hundred thousand people, but there was no tourism, so there was no English, and that was the hardest part for me is not being able to speak to my teammates because we had a translator. 
but also going out. Like I remember we go to the, <laughs> we go out and I legit couldn't understand like, well, the Japanese calligraphy, like the writing, I, I just pointed stuff and hoping that I would like it or I'd go to the grocery store and I just walked around for hours because I just put my headphone on because I couldn't speak to anybody. We had two other imports on our team and they were married. So I was, it, that's where I like the, the hardest part. That's where it really picked up for me is because I was by myself a lot, you know, and I couldn't really like being back home. It was, we were 10 hours ahead. So I'd be, I'd be waking up and everyone would be going to bed and, that, that was the hardest part for me when I when I my meant I really realized that I meant like my mental my mental health was taken an absolute beating was that year and then you know it just kind of skyrocketed from there and then here we are a couple of years later so but I I mean I, in Italy was awesome I had a great time there and I've had a, I had a good I had good I had good really good experiences everywhere I played you know it's just that I probably sabotaged half of those opportunities to go back and. Um, thankful like here to come back to Jacksonville. I have Jason Christie who's given me a couple opportunities to come back here and now he's uh, kind of mentoring me to be to be a coach and hopefully things work out there. But I mean it's 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 been awesome and you know honestly I wouldn't change it for anything. You know, I, everything was meant for a reason and I'm supposed to I was supposed to come back here and I maybe I'd and I'd I don't know what it is right now, but hopefully it's it's for something uh, something good. Well, you mentioned, you know, the young guys on the team and stuff. And sometimes, you know, it's not what is what is it? What can you do for me lately? It's what can I do to give back? Right. And then the gifts might really start to pour in. It's not from my experience. They do. That's what's happened. When I start to get outside of myself and really start to do things for the right reasons and for other people, that's when things really started to progress for me. And all of a sudden gifts were just falling out of the sky onto my lap. I was like, what the hell is really going on right now? When you start to do the right thing and for the right reasons, there's something to be said about that. Um, you mentioned you play in Japan. I want to say hello to my cousin, Ryan Odomira, who lives in Japan. I believe he lives in Northern Japan too. So I don't know where, but Ryan, if you're listening to this, which I know you do all the way over in Japan, um, maybe it was close. Maybe he got to see you play. Who knows? Um, also, I wanted to ask you while I'm on, while I remember, because I have it written down. Um, when you were drafted by Boston, any time in Boston, did you ever meet a guy by the name of Harry Sinden? Harry Sinden, I think that's the most famous, one of the most famous name in Boston. I never actually got to cross cross paths with him, but I, you know, he's one of the most famous Bruins of all time, right? Well, I well the reason why I ask is because Susan, I actually live in her house. That's his niece. I live in his niece's house, and she just brought me a, a fresh cup of tea. And I'm looking at pictures of Harry Sinden and Boston Bruins, and she brought down this note that said Bru two nothing Bruins." Uh, they're gonna they're gonna finish the job then, right? <laughs> yeah. So who who do you like in this year's playoffs? While we're on that topic, well, I gotta go with my boy Nate. You know, yeah, the, the Jets and my uh, my gal is from Edmonton. I absolutely hate hate the Oilers because I grew up in Calgary in the area so I'm a Flames fan through and through and we were just on the couch not too long ago she's talking about you guys aren't playing any meaningful hockey and I said well if you look <laughs> if you look at the way you guys have been playing either you guys right now but <laughs> nothing but I mean my final I had Colorado and Tampa just watching those those two juggernauts be so fine to watch in the playoffs you know you look at yeah. Kucherov and that yeah. power play just snapping around and then McKinnon and like McCarr their speed oh, and, man they're good that's that's something you'd be really excited to see. But I, I played with Nate for a couple of years. I want him to win a Stanley Cup. You know, he's me and him are at the end. We're walking up to 18th. You know, it's routine. <laughs> so hopefully one of us wins something here this year, and if we both win. It'll be a be a hell of a hell of an end to a career. Hopefully, you know. 
Yeah, I I really admire Nate as well, and I never met him or anything, but I obviously know his story. I've listened to him on podcasts. I've seen him on YouTube telling a story with his wife and stuff, and it's just it's incredible, um, you know, for anyone to make it through the other side. But to be you know at the level he's at and to come out and share his story, there's other guys like Robin Leonard and stuff that I really admire as well, who I've become friends with over this last couple months as well. But yeah, Nate, um, just a unbelievably strong story and just admire the crap out of that guy man it would be awesome to see him lift the cup and i actually told that uh, jordy ben got traded there and i was talking to him and i said you might have a chance to win a cup this year and people were kind of counting them out but if they get rolling man like in in this playoff hockey i do like the jets chances if they get they get through edmonton like well they were i mean they were cup favorites two years ago and yeah he was kind of writing them out like writing them off because they've lost a couple on their on their back and obviously Buffalo and Truba moving on. And, but I mean, they, they played, they, they were at the top of the North division the whole year. So, I mean, you look at Ehlers coming back and obviously Wheeler and Shifley, they're, they're still, they're still juggernauts of the league. And that more, that more, I really like Morrissey, man. He's a Western league boy and you can tell that he plays hard. He's not the biggest guy, but he skates and he works hard. And he's uh, oh, Hellebuck. What was he? The Vesna? Uh, yeah. Vesna? last year so as long as you have a good goalie man you can ride that guy all until <laughs> the stanley cup finals and then pull one off someone put one off on the player's teeth and then you're celebrating you know absolutely i want to i want to ask you too i know i'm kind of i'm all over the place with my podcast i never have any i'll tell you man i used to have all these notes and all these questions written out when i first started doing podcasting and then i'd be done and i'd be looking at the paper and be like why did i even why did i even bother you know like we, we we thrive in chaos man just because we're sober doesn't mean we're, we're you know like i'm the same way man i used to i used to just come out of my i'd get home and i like you could literally see where i like went through because i just take clothes off and just be where i walked in my apartment now my uh, Ashley would just lose it on me. So <laughs> I've been trying to at least be a human being now, now that I'm sober and just man, making my bed. You know how crazy right. that is? I used to, right. I would like just making the bed. It most, it was just the most like mind boggling thing when someone told me to make my bed, but like, well, why? And now that like, you just feel accomplished after you do it. And this, it's those little wins, man. It's those little yeah. wins. So don't take, don't be hard on yourself. And chaos is, uh, everybody needs a little chaos in their lives. Absolutely. So what else are you, is there anything else in specific that you do for your, your recovery outside of uh, the program? Uh, do you do any? Well, you, or is there yeah, well, I, I mean, every, every morning I wake up and I have my gratitude list things nice. before um, I, I smudge every day. We spoke about like, I'm very, 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 even before, like, even before I, I came out, I was very, for our ceremonies in my uh with my culture i was always big into that and that's that's something i do so i smudge in the morning and i smudge before every game you know just you know giving thanks honestly just asking that i'm that i'm that i'm that i'm safe and the other team's safe and everybody has a, has a good game and like i don't ask for anything you know i don't ask for two goals or whatever i just want to say thank you that i'm given an opportunity to to play the game and um but from like honestly it I just try and keep my head above water for 24 hours, man, especially here right now during the season. Like it's like I said, man, like it's, it's hard being in a beer culture because beer is on the bus guys are going out and I just, you want to hang out with them. And like I said, it's, it's hard. So like my, my girl, she doesn't, she doesn't drink. Like, so we, we do, we have our puppies, we have our dogs, they keep us busy. And then same time is like, it's, 
we're so busy right now with with hockey and then planning stuff for the summertime with my i i just have to keep busy you know uh, uh <laughs> we have a that's papa giorgio or <laughs> would you know what his name comes from what's that you ever seen vegas vacation yeah <laughs> you know Nick papa giorgio where he gets the the kid gets the fake id and that's his name <laughs> ashley named him papa after papa giorgio mr papa giorgio and then we got um actually our pandemic puppy who turns one tomorrow never wanted the dog <laughs> ashley saw that i was kind of upset when we had german shepherds growing up and then uh, one day she she's it's kind of a funny story she i didn't know we were going to get a dog. We showed up and she says, Merry Christmas. And our pandemic puppies end up being like my best friend and I love him. So was, he's one tomorrow. But like I said to my, my, I, I attend meetings when I can. Um, our season's pretty busy right now, but it's, I have a one that I go to every Monday, Friday and Thursday. So when I can get on, I, I make sure that I'm present and I reach out, I reach out to, to other sober guys. And yeah. what's kind of scary, what the scariest thing for me was coming back to the season. And now that I know that I can stay sober is, going back into the into the real world where you know i'm not going to be able to go back to the friends that i had because you know they're still like the, my, my my drinking buddies they're they, they just I've, I've you know i've kind of lost touch with people and it's kind of crazy when you stop drinking with people how they don't reach out to you you know and it, it's fine i'm on a different path and it's it's what's most important is my recovery and that'll be the hardest part is just living that once the the curfews and the the lockdown ends it'll be it'll be hard for me to because right now i can pick and choose where i want to go yeah. you know but I'll, hopefully i'll be comfortable enough to, that i can go out and do stuff and obviously i'm not going to be a, i can pick and choose where i'm going to be but that that for my meet the meetings are the most important for me right now and reaching out yeah absolutely and keep and keep those up man because uh i know definitely like when i first tried to get clean and sober um the first kind of any significant amount of time i ever got sober I, it took me like like 12 11 years to get to a year of trying and failing and trying and failing but i'd get like six seven months and always the most successful times when i was um attending meetings and that's something that will be a way bigger part of my life moving forward but there's no way that i'm where i'm at today if i didn't even attend those meetings back 10 years ago and learn from uh, all the people there and learn from my, you know, little things you learn about yourself um, with the power of a group and, and opening up. Um, it's, it's so powerful. And I just encourage everybody as you probably will echo what I'm saying to people out there, if you're struggling, and I know there's at least a, a couple of them watching this uh, who are struggling either in active addiction or alcoholism or uh, essentially white knuckling it. Uh, to to reach out, ask for help, and try new things. Um, because, like you said earlier, if you didn't do that, who knows where you'd be today? Yeah, man, it's amen to that. A, the, like the the people that have that more time than me, you know, when when I go into when I'm listening, it's and sometimes I don't have to talk or don't even have to share because my story's already been shared, you know. So who knows what the, like what we said tonight is echoing into someone else's ears that you know what. <laughs> I'm exactly the same. Every story is some 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 type of similarity. It's not the exact same, but it, it all we all echo each other's thoughts and we all echo each other's fears. And mm -hmm. most important is that you, we're not alone. That's when I realized, you know, I'm not alone in this. And that was the biggest thing is because I was scared that I was alone. And you know, we're we're having this conversation right now, and man, we're we're trudging the path to happy destiny, right? Together in this. So I'm just yeah. very grateful that we, again we had this this time to talk and. 
Just well, if you, like I said, man, the more I get it out, my my shoulders have just gone down from the start of the the pot, our conversation to down, and I'm just so great. I'm glad that I got to share it and get it out there. Well, I'm I'm feel very lucky to have you on and to be able to connect with you again. It's been uh, a long time uh, since I've talked to you and seen you. I think the last time I saw you, you were playing, and we didn't talk after when you were with the Giants. Like that's how long ago it was. You know what I mean? And then you went on to to Providence and. With the Bruins, look at how young you are there, eh? Yeah, well, look at Team Cheekbones and look how bad that hair is. <laughs> my hair is going to look the same in a couple of years, but it won't be blonde. It's going to be gray. So. <laughs> Mine's already going gray, man. Um, you did win a Memorial Cup, though, too, um, which was uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, that, man, that I, anytime I'm kind of bored, I always go on YouTube. And my favorite thing about sports and especially playoffs in any, in any sport, whether it's baseball, basketball, hockey, is the, the last, like, the 10-second countdown to when you know the team's going to win. Mm-hmm. And that I always wanted to experience that at that level. And I remember the P&E, I was out there the last shift, yeah. and you couldn't even hear yourself think, man. We were, I was there. We, when we knew we were going to win, and I just, I mean, I, I literally blacked out. I remember, like, I looking back, and I ripped my stick up in the air, like, I don't know how long it was in the air. If it came down, it would probably would have went through someone's head. Thank God it didn't. But just that emotion and, and you watch it and it's like it, like it, like I was there and reliving it. It's on YouTube and I just get chills, man. Like that team, I, I was only there for, we got, I got traded at January, but it's like, I was there for 10 years, man. That team was amazing. And then Don Hay, you know, Milan Lucic, the guys that came in, Brett Festling was our captain. So you like, you know, all these guys and, how hard they played. I mean, I remember we played you guys and I, w- I think we only played you once or twice, but I remember we played you guys in Kelowna and Kelowna always was the hardest team to play against out West. And I remember coming, playing from Saskatoon. So like, but that team, we were mad that they, they were psychos, man. They, they practiced so hard. And like there'd just be legit fights breaking out. We had Garrett Hunt who was here at Jackson, oh, yeah. best friends now. Like he was, he literally just, would grab Luch and be like, hey, come on. And they just get each other going. And we'd, I remember we'd, we'd be playing Everett and, you know, the the hall, the walking the hall. You can't yeah. see each other, but the, the hallways are a pretty long walk from each side to get onto the ice. And they'd just be screaming at the others. Always. The other team. And I'd be like, man, these guys are nuts. But I'm just glad that I didn't have to play them. I remember in Prince George, we played spoke, or sorry, we played Prince George in game six. And Don, we were out for a pregame skate which, you know, pregame skates are 15 minutes, get off, especially a big game. We were out there for an hour and a half and, like, full-out battle drills. And the finally the, the practice ended, and we're like, like, I didn't know what the hell was going on. The guys didn't know, and Don just goes, well, if you guys don't want this again, you know what to do tonight. You got to win because if you don't win game six, you're having another – or game seven, you're having another hour and a half pregame skate. And that, it was nuts. And then we end up – end up winning and thank God we didn't have another practice a pregame skate like that. But that, that team is just, man, they were all warriors and I was just very proud to be a part of that. And I just stepped in, I didn't have to do anything and just, just be a part of the boys and try and play my best. Well, you had 36 points in 30 games uh, in the regular season, another 20 in the playoffs and another three in the Mem Cup. And I was at that game, man, in Vancouver with my dad. I was actually at several of those games, but I was there. I watched you guys win it. 
Um, it was pretty awesome just to see a WHL team win the Memorial Cup in, you know, the, in the Peony. And that's where I grew up going to Canuck games and stuff, watching Pavel Bure. And so anytime I got to play there was cool. But to actually see the Giants, regardless if I was part of it or not. And I'll tell you, Garrett Hunt was my arch nemesis growing up, man. Not he was everybody's. He was everybody's. Like from the time we were seven years old on – we went at it so hard and we trained together in the summers uh, with Andrew Ladd and Brandon Yip and those guys. And actually, Andrew Ladd just sent me a message randomly like a week ago. Um, he's going to be coming on the show, too, once his playoffs are over, which was really cool, man, because a lot of these guys had written me off uh, because of, you know, all the stuff I was doing. And rightfully so. I mean, nobody wants to be involved with somebody that, that was doing the things that I was doing. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm just it's funny to hear that you guys, you and G hunt are become friends. Like, you know, well, I, we were, so I played against his brother, Trevor. Yeah, he, yeah. he was yeah. with the Vipers and like the Vancouver selects. And I was out West or sorry, out East, I guess to you guys. The extreme. We were, no, we were the Foothills elite and Foothills then NAA, elite. NAA when we would just go out there and absolutely slap them around. But the G hunt was a year younger. So like my parents got to know his parents and then Garrett was drafted by Saskatoon. So we yeah. went to our first couple camps together in Saskatoon. Okay. Little guys just buzzing around, and then <laughs> went to Vancouver, and he's still buzzing around. Then ten years later, again, he's still buzzing around in Jacksonville. He's our captain, and I love him, man. He's I, I will go to if there's someone to go to war with, it's that guy. And yeah, like he's and he's smaller than both of us, but he his his role is not easy, man. And he loves it, and and he he loves his teammates, and you you. You can't ask for a better teammate than that guy. And, no doubt. And you, you were the same way too, though. Like, hated playing against you and Swifty because you were probably trying to fight me <laughs> kind of the same size-ish. And I'm like, I'm not fighting you, man. Are you crazy? So, like, don't don't sell yourself short. You had some sandpaper. You were nails too, and you could play. It's – I tip my hat to you, man. Now we're uh, now we're, now we're brothers here. and That's right, buddy. Crazy. Well, listen, I don't want to keep you. I know your girlfriend's out walking the dogs. Um trying to keep the apartment quiet and stuff, but I would, uh, I'd love to touch base with you again really soon. And as uh, we talked about, you know, I'm rollerblading across Canada. So depending on where you are, I'd love to love to have you out, man. And, and even if it's just for a short portion through Alberta or wherever, I would absolutely love uh, to skate with you for part of that journey. If you're up for it. hundred percent. I actually reached out to you and said, so if you're around the Saskatchewan border, we'll, I don't know which way you're going through. I'd imagine you'd be going through Calgary, the Trans-Canada, right? Yeah, we're going to come through, uh, start in Newfoundland, obviously, but we're going to come down through like Regina, Moose Jaw, Swift, Med Hat. We're going to go that way because I really want to make a point of going through Swift Current. I kind of left there on a little bad terms uh, when I got traded to Kelowna, but um, yeah, so we're going to be going that way. Starting May 30th out in Newfoundland, we'll have a rough idea of where we're going to be. We're going to be doing events along the way and stuff too. So maybe you'd like to speak at one of those events because that's what it's going to be about is connecting people, talking about mental health, talking about addictions, empowering people, building those connections. And I think you have so much to offer, man. Um, and I just look forward to, to actually meeting you again in person and be awesome to skate beside you. Or probably behind you because you're in better shape than me. <laughs> I don't know, man. I gotta. I just. I work the half wall now, so I got what you call a slot body. So I don't know if I'm as fast as I used to be. So we'll probably we can go neck and neck to each other. But man, it'd be it'd be my honor, especially if we went through Blackfoot territory. You'd be my brother. God, make you go through there. Yeah, well, that definitely. You, uh, we make sure we'll make sure that that happens. We've put it. Uh, we've arranged that we can 
we're going to make sure if there's special stops and stuff along the way or a route that we want to go through. So make sure, um, please uh, direct message me exactly where that is. And I'll make sure that that happens because that would be unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. For sure. Well, I just want to say thank you, man. Again, what you're doing is amazing. Like I, I you're all over my Instagram and <laughs> I love that. No, but I, what you, your work, it's, it's good though. Like it's, it's needed, especially today, man. Is it, it's it's important and uh, i love what you're doing you're you put yourself out there it's not easy man like you're you're an absolute warrior and you're man you're, you have the strength of a thousand warriors brother I'm, I'm, I'm behind you thank you for having me on anytime and just quickly before i let you go i just wanted there's a couple comments coming in but kelly lynn marley says thanks for your time and testimony um Stuart Smith, Wacey, thank you for sharing your story. It will do great things for others. Hearing you openly talk about your struggles. Thank you. Uh, Susan from Upstairs also says, awesome podcast. You will both make a difference. There's a couple more. Sorry, guys, I didn't get to them. I'm going to let Wacey go watch the hockey game. Let his girlfriend back. And that's fiance. Fiance, right? Yeah. Yeah, congratulations on that. And, uh, hey, best of luck down the stretch. Uh, Hopefully, you guys make it to the playoffs. And once you're back home, I'm going to – so I know how long you'll be there. I'll send you a bunch of puck support swag and hats and stuff. And if you're ever doing anything, let me know and I'll uh, I'll promote it. And anybody out there in Alberta, look for WR Power Skills this summer, right? Yep. Follow him, sure, on, follow him on Instagram. I'll have it on the link below. Thanks, Wace. You're the man. Keep up the good work. I'm proud of you, brother. Thanks, brother. Love you. Love you too, man. Thanks. All right, guys. That's uh, Wacey Rabbit. What a great conversation. I feel like we could have talked for... I'm going to watch this back and be like, man, I should have asked that, should have asked that. That's the beauty of this is you never know what it's going to entail. Um, I want his fiance Ashley, to be allowed to come back in the house. She took the dogs for a walk. So we had an hour of his time and super grateful for that. Super grateful if you guys watched it live, if you're listening after the fact, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. Uh, please subscribe. If you're on YouTube, press the like button um, and share it with your friends if you liked it. If you didn't like it, then don't bother sharing. It's all good. It's all good. I only want people to share it if they liked it. I want to go back to the Rink of Dreams quickly. There's a shot of it in the wintertime. Unbelievable place. It's like my haven. There I am, ripping on the Rink of Dreams. I don't know if it's called ripping, but yes, skating. Going to do one sponsor. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up, guys. I appreciate you sticking with me. Pocket to Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents, and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to Aubrey at pridetape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, Aubrey at pridetape.com. You can find Pride Tape on facebook.com slash pridetape, on Twitter at pridetape, and at pridetape on Instagram. Pride Tape thanks all of you for being champions for change. Oh yeah!
I just want to dance for a bit because I love this song. Thank you to everybody at Pride Tape. Check this out. Hadley rocking some Pride Tape today at the local rink. Link getting in on the action too. Support Pride Tape, guys. We all have Pride Tape on our sticks. Got some right here. We're going to do lots of giveaways for Pride Tape down the road. Um, so make sure you watch if you want to win some Pride Tape. We'll do it next episode, actually. Um, I want to once again say thank you to David and Elise at the Rink of Dreams. I know I keep saying it, but it was unbelievable. Sam, thank you for making it happen. Lando Snipes, thanks for coming out, getting on the rink with me. I really enjoyed getting to meet you in person and look forward to doing it again down the road. Thank you to Doug and Dana Lynn Donaldson for the unbelievable jerseys and hats that we were able to take pictures with. Fran, the photographer that was there, thank you so, so much for taking some unbelievable pictures. Super grateful. Head over to uh, pucksupport.com. We have a sale going on now until midnight. So if you're watching this live, you can save 15% with the promo code SAVE15. SAVE15. It's going to get you 15% off all of our merchandise. We're out of stock of quite a few hats, but don't worry. We're getting some, hopefully, by the end. I want to say by this, maybe 10 days from now. So early June is what I'm hoping for. could be a little bit longer. Um, trying to keep all the items in stock. It's hard. It's really just me and Susan doing it all. And I get anxiety when I have to order all the new stuff, full disclosure. Um, but we're trying to we're trying to make it happen. We're just trying to... Uh, spread the message of mental health and hope. And um, I mean, I'm not a professional at any of this stuff. Not at not at you know podcasting. Not at running social media. Not at speaking about mental health and addiction. All I can do is just share my experience, and I'm continually learning. And it's really what gets me out of bed every single morning. What also gets me out of bed every single morning is the fact that I know I'm on the right track, and I know if I keep going there will be a chance that I'll get my kids back in my life. Hello to Brooklyn and Brody out there in BC. I'm trying to hold back tears, so I'm going to stop talking about it. But I love you guys, and I'm really looking forward to getting out to Port Coquitlam. August 7th-ish will be the final date of my rollerblade across Canada. If you're in Muskoka, though, tomorrow will uh, there'll be an article in the local newspaper uh, sort of a little bit about my story, but mostly I think about the rollerblade. And I want to say thank you to Sarah Law for covering that story. And I thought it was the right thing to do, as did Susan, to really give the locals an idea of why there's a 34-year-old man rollerblading around with a mustache that they've never seen before. They're honking at me, get the hell out of the way, you loser, or whatever. But <laughs> hopefully that they're going to you know, realize why I'm doing this. And most importantly, I really hope it encourages some of the local kids to get out there and skate with me. If you don't want to skate with me on the long distance stuff, reach out to me, come up to Gravenhurst. If you're in Gravenhurst or surrounding areas, reach out to me, come to the local sports court. Let's get some 
games going or some coaching. I'll gladly coach anybody for free throughout the summer at the sports court, even if it's just for a short time or whatever that looks like. If you just want to come say hi, please, please reach out to me. I love being on my rollerblades. And if you're a parent, get your kids some rollerblades. Seriously, it's a game changer, not just for your hockey, but for mental health. Parents, get your own rollerblades. Seriously, it's incredible. It's saving my life. It's saving my life. Um, Another great podcast. I'm shaking the table. Thank you once again to Wacy Rabbit. Unbelievable guy. So proud of you, Wacy. Keep up the good work. Thank you for sharing your story for the first time out there right here on Hockey to Hell and Back. I cannot thank you enough, Wacy. So proud of you. Once again, in memory of John Cordick, he'll never be forgotten along with all of those that we've lost in the hockey community. Sadly, the wall is always growing and we were doing everything to make sure that we can stop that. If you want to get involved in puck support, reach out to us, team at pucksupport.com. Send us an email. If you're struggling, reach out, ask for help. You heard it from Wacy. You hear it from me all the time. It's the hardest thing to do, but is the best decision you will ever make. Once you reach out for help, go after that help. Whatever you need to do to get yourself on the right path, be willing to do it. Commit to it. It's not going to be overnight. It's not going to be easy. It may hurt emotionally. It may even hurt physically. But guess what? I'm over 15 months clean and I've never been happier in my entire life. I've never had a clearer mind. I still have hard days, but I know that nothing absolutely nothing in this world is bad enough for me to pick up another drug. There's just no, there's nothing in this world because now I have supports and things in place that keep me from doing that from keep me from keeping me feeling like I'm alone. If you feel like you're alone, you're not so many people out there are struggling. So many people out there will support you. They want to support you. They'll love you. They'll help you, but you got to do some things for yourself for yourself as well. We're back here Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern with the one and only Tara Sloan from Sportsnet, top of her game. Really looking forward to speaking with her. She's a rock star. She's a huge ambassador for women, not just in hockey, but in sport. Very, very, very grateful to have her on the show. I'm going to leave you guys with uh, First Star Therapies, performance, wellness, Thank you to James Gardner, who's really helping me with the Cross Canada Rollerblade. Clay Williams, who he introduced me to, is doing all of that. Shout out to Sylvan Foise up there in North Bay. If you're watching, thank you for getting on board with Puck Support as well. Wait until you see what these guys are doing for Puck Support. There's some big things coming down the pipe. I'll remind you once again, there's a sale on all of our items. Promo code SAVE15 until midnight tonight. Thank you to everyone for your support. Stay kind, always be grateful, and have a great day if you so choose. Pocket of Hell and Back is brought to you by Performance Wellness. The collaboration between First Star Therapy and MindFrame brings a flexible, holistic program to athletes. The goal is to empower and enhance every athlete's well-being on and off the field of play through focus on intentful movement and mindful practices. 
You can contact them at consult at firststartherapy.com and team at mindframe.info. Plus, you can check them out on the web at firststartherapy.com and follow First Star on Instagram at firststar.therapy and at mindframe on Twitter plus mindframefit on Instagram. Oh yeah, able, oh yeah, I'm stable, oh yeah, no label. 